pass you that and Mike as well. Appreciate it. Let me give you guys a minute before I open the Bible. Now, if you guys can, open with me to 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. Just say amen when you're there. <laughs> Always a sarcastic one, huh? I love it. <laughs> All right, let's read. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Heavenly Father, we are so gracious for you this morning. I pray that people open their hearts, including myself, when I prepared for this man. You spoke to me. Sometimes the best messages are those that are difficult and hard for us to hear because they change us, Lord. So would you change us here this morning for good, not just for a temporary time, but permanently. May we draw closer to you and listen to what Peter has to say to us Christians. All God's people said amen. I remember when I was in high school, a story that stuck with me forever. This guy went to a mission trip. The worst possible thing happened to him that you can imagine. He got kidnapped, and they asked him. They were two atheists. They said, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Mind you, I know there's kids in the room, but you could put together the piece, what were at two guys, what weapons were at his heads as they said, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? As he's bawling, they're counting down from 10 to 1, saying, you better have a decision to make. He followed through and he said, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, as he's tied up. And as they count down from 10 all the way to 1, he opens his eyes thinking he's not going to live, you guys, but he survived. They ran away for whatever reason and God was protecting him. But to this day, that stuck with me because honestly, we say all the time, well, how dare could Peter, you know, deny Christ three times? How could this person walk away from Christ so many times? But unless you're in the fire like that, you have no idea what you're going to do. But I pray that we could become like that teacher of mine who is able to proclaim Jesus and risk his life at all circumstances. You guys, with that being said, we let our family, our friends, co-workers, people slander our Christianity, don't we? If we're being honest. And we belittle our values, don't we? And water them down in our morals, our ethics. And many times we allow them to push us around and their evil and corrupted views and beliefs on us. And we become silent. But man, I know many of us, including even myself, we're not that way when we're defending our political party at all. Or our favorite sports team. We know the statistics to back it up. We can defend why, you know, this quarterback's the best. Or this baseball player is the best. Or why the Dodgers are the best team in all of baseball. Don't get me started with that. But when it comes to defending our walk with Jesus Christ, we just let these evil corrupted views take place. And we're mute. We're silent, guys. That must change with all of us here. I see it so often. Far too much. Now, a little more context about Peter. You know Peter's original name, right? It was Simon. And he was one of Jesus' 12 apostles. 
Him and his brother Andrew, in fact, joined Jesus early on in his ministry. And what was so cool is they were with him until Jesus' death. And Peter doesn't get enough credit, but did you know actually Peter was passionate and loyal to Jesus? But we know the most about Peter that what? He was also doubting Peter, right? Because he denied Christ how many times? Not once, not twice, but three times, right? But yet Jesus still used him in this passage to say, hey, this is what the Christian ought to do. Time and time again, you see in the word of God, Murderers, all these people that were broken and messed up that Jesus used. And the audience here in this passage in 1 Peter three fourteen through 16, Peter's talking to Christians. His audience already understands that Jesus is Lord, yet he instructs them with these words anyways. And Peter is instructing them not to fear those who cause them to suffer for the sake of Christ. In fact, he tells them the opposite, that you're blessed if you suffer for what is right. Now, now why is Peter saying this? Because we as the church, we as the body of Christ, we as Christians are called to live differently from the world. We're to stand out. We're to look different. We're to be different. We're to act completely different. Our morals, our values, our ethics, how we live life and how we love our Jesus Christ is to look completely different. Because we're to lead for the sake of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because Jesus, our perfect example, he suffered for our benefit. So we should not be surprised to also suffer for his sake is what this passage is saying. In fact, this verse Peter writes to suffer in that way. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. God will care for us, especially when we suffer unjustly. Jesus spoke of the same attitude in Matthew ten twenty eight, which will go on the screen. It says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I'm reminded about this passage. I don't know if you guys have heard it or not, this um, song that I just love by Phil Wickham. He's such a great writer. And it's called The Jesus Way. Some of the lyrics is, If you curse me, then I will bless you. If you hurt me, I will forgive. And if you hate me, then I will love you. I choose the Jesus way. If you strike me, I will embrace you. And if you chain me, I'll sing his praise. And if you kill me, my home is heaven, for I choose the Jesus way. How many of us could raise our hands and say that's easy? Not me. Not me. But man, the reward is great though, right? The reward is awesome. You guys in your notes, first in your notes, if you're taking notes this morning, we should live for God's satisfaction, not for our own. Lord, what is it that satisfies you? What job do you want for us? Is it maybe the lower paying career, but it satisfies you? What house is it that you want? Is it a 2-1 instead of a 4-3? What is it, Lord, that you want? Is it a spouse that you want for my life? Not that I want for my life. What is it that is satisfying to you, that will make you happy, will make you proud, Lord, Then have it your will, not my will? That's hard, right, to take our selfishness aside? You guys, this might hurt a little bit, but that's just how I preach right here, okay? We need the real truth. We don't need this prosperity teaching anymore. It's baloney. It needs to go out the window. 
just so people can gain members. I don't believe in that preaching. I believe in preaching the true teaching of God. So we should believe in the clear teachings of the Bible regarding these tough issues, right? Such as gender being what? Between being two sexes, not however many there are now. A male and a female. That, that marriage clearly in Genesis, right? It talks about uh, between a man and a woman. And abortion protecting the rights of the unborn. And guys, these churches that aren't even talking about hell as though it doesn't exist. Guys, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, not everyone will participate in going to heaven. There is a place called hell. Believe it or not, there is a place. And if we mention these unpopular, difficult circumstances, but difficult but true beliefs to those who oppose these truths, then you are going to be persecuted. You're not going to be liked. You're going to be labeled as narrow-minded, a bigot, and a Bible thumper. But guess what? It's the right thing. It's the true thing. And God makes it clear that we should not fear persecution from everyone, but stand on God's truth. Even if we suffer for it, it will be a blessing. And even though, guys, we don't agree with them, we're still called to love them, though. Understand that. We're still to love them so they could see Christ living in us and hopefully repent for their sins and come to know Jesus Christ. For example, I was a huge athlete. Most of you know that, and I loved baseball, man. My favorite was going up to bat and obviously going four for four with four RBIs, right? But how much greater is it going to bat for our Lord and Savior? Being in the batter box for Jesus Christ. Because if we're going to suffer for one thing in this world and one person in this world, it should be for our walk with Christ. It should be for standing up what is right. He suffered so we can go to heaven. I think we could be a little persecuted, can't we, this morning? So in your notes, this is hard. You probably won't be able to answer it this morning. I haven't been able to answer it, and I've prepared the sermon. Are you willing to die for your faith? Are you willing to die for your faith? Don't answer that this morning. Please don't. Because I don't think we'll know until we're in a circumstance where we, just like my teacher where we're in a circumstance where death row is calling us home. Are you willing to take some punches along the road on your faith? Christians, we're faced with trials, aren't we? And there are people who say, if you just have enough hope, you'll be better. If you just have enough prayer, you'll hope you'll have this bigger house, better health. That's a bunch of baloney, dude. A bunch. And we know that. We're faced with trials and tempted to give into temptation all the time and make the wrong decision. But if we have Christ in the center of our hearts, we must never fear men or circumstances. Because something that spoke to me in this passage is enemies will hurt us, but they will never harm us spiritually. They can't harm us spiritually. Fill in the blank. Only we can harm ourselves if we fail God. Luke ten nineteen, man, it is powerful and so amazing of what it has to say next. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What Jesus is saying here is the word trample. It means tread in other translations of the Bible. And the Greek word for trample is petion. It means to walk. So Jesus was telling his disciples in this passage that even if they had to walk right over a scorpion 
or a snake. They didn't have to worry because he was giving them protection and authority against these natural dangers. And no matter what scorpions, what evil people come your way, you don't have to worry because Jesus is giving you protection against these natural dangers. In verse 14 here. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. What Peter is telling us here is, even if you're righteous and you're putting God first, you may suffer for doing so. It comes with part of the territory as being a follower of Jesus Christ. We have our own cross to bear. And at some point in this world, you will be persecuted most likely. And why is that, you ask? I use this analogy. It's like people that are in a dark room and their pupils get dilated. You open up the blinds, letting the sunlight get in, and they're not happy to see you. And they want you gone because it hurts them. They don't like to see truth. They don't like to see the light. This is also the case for the gospel and those that do good, living a righteous life. For example, Jesus Christ, right? He lived a good life, a perfect life. The one who was without sin, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he performed many miracles. But the sinners and the evil people, the hostile people around him, they killed him and they wanted to cause destruction to him. And the reason for this many times is because the persecution is the result of obedience. For example, you want to preach? Oh man, I'm telling you, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to want to worship and be on the worship team. You're going to be persecuted. You want to help out at a church. You want to serve. You're going to be persecuted for it. You do what is right. Do not be surprised when you're persecuted and people say stuff about you. But guys, guess what? Do not stop doing what is right and serving when you are persecuted. Keep doing what is right regardless of what people think of you, say about you, slander you or anything. You keep living for Jesus Christ. You keep doing the right thing because guess what? People are going to hate all the time. People are always going to say something. But all that matters is God's opinion of you. That's what matters. Let's be honest. Not everyone's going to agree with us ever on what we have to say. And especially at the last days, guys, persecution is going to get so much worse. I know you're thinking, but man, Peter, I can't love people the way that you're telling me to love people, Peter. Because if I do, I'll, I'll be walked over. Um, I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to be abused. But if you do love the way that God has told us to, you may pay a price for it. But once again, you'll be blessed for doing so. You'll be blessed for doing so. So next in your notes, do not stoop down to others' level. So what Peter is saying, if someone curses you, if someone gets mad at you and upset with you, don't stoop down to their level. Don't do it in return. Show them the light. But defeat your purpose as well. Defend your faith. Stand up for what is right. But say it in a mirthful way, in a nice, gentle way. Because Peter says right below, he says, do not fear their threats or be frightened because he's saying it because God has your back. Nothing to fear when the Lord is near and nothing to fear when you're living for Jesus because these threats are nothing but empty scare tactics when we have heaven waiting for us. So with that being said, the possibility of suffering for doing good should not make us shrink back from doing good. Instead, we should give a special place, sanctifying in our hearts by giving 
a defense, always doing it with a right attitude, meekness and fear. So next time when people ask us, why do you read your Bible? Why do you enjoy helping others? Why do you serve in church? Why do you have hope in what seems to be hopeless circumstances? Why can you find joy in joyless circumstances? Why do you believe in what you believe in? Why are you kind and have these attributes, guys? We can and we should reply because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and he died so I could have hope and he set me free and he changed my life forever. And you better believe when you say these words to the non-believer or someone who doesn't believe in you, you better be ready for a bigger than 4th of July fireworks show. It's going to be bad. But be prepared to be confident in your Lord and Savior that he'll have your back. Because the non-believers are those that disagree with you. They will get disgruntled. They'll get angry and hostile, shut you down. They may never talk to you again. But guess what? I count that as their loss, not yours. With that being said, next in your notes... Are you going to proclaim Jesus or are you going to be a scaredy cat? I mean it, though. So often than not, man, we don't have courage. Sometimes we're cowardly when we come to our walk, when we come to our faith, when we come to people mentioning different things. But as I mentioned earlier, why? Why are we so afraid to stand up for our faith? Well, they may not like us. Well, then you better not be their friends anyway. But yet we can be care less about getting in debates about stock market, right? Oh, Tesla's going to be the best in 2024. All these different things, right? Or as I mentioned earlier about politics, it's huge. Always at the dinner table. We can care less about getting debates about that. Or sports, like I mentioned. Or cars for us men, dude. What car's the best? Oh, I can't wait to fix this up. And then it just starts a whole debate. Why are we so afraid? Jesus says, don't be afraid because I was persecuted. I was hated, he says in John 15, 18 through 20. It says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. I want you guys to catch this. It's very important. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Let's look at the passage where it says you are blessed, which also means happy. The reason why is because God is preparing for you and I an eternal glory. And it's one of my favorite passages, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. You guys know it. Let's read that together. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, the persecution, the pain that we're going through, the arachnoiditis, the arthritis, the diabetes, the cancer, the bad knees, the bad back, the bad diagnosis, the bad finances, they have an end date. They may not seem like it because we've been going with it for 20 years. But heaven is waiting for us. 
and is greater than any vacation. It's greater than anything we could ever imagine. And it's our permanent home so we can put our trust on our firm foundation that can never be broken, that can never be shaken. And our perfect body is waiting for us. Praise the Lord. So knowing this, let's continue to live righteously, even if that means persecution will come our way, because if we are persecuted for God's sake, it's a blessing. I didn't even know I was going to say this this morning, but that's what God does. So on Wednesday, I finished my sermon. I finished prepping for it, except for some tweaks. And so our good friends, Brittany and our good friends, we said, hey, let's do the gift exchange for the kiddos. All right, cool. We'll go to your house. We'll have some dinner. (laughs) As we get there, guys, my main chair, that's why I brought this chair, completely died on me. So Brett had to lift this thing, push me 350 pounds, plus my weight on it, completely just died. I'm thinking, Lord, are you kidding me? Every single time I'm about to give a sermon, something happens. I'm not going to lie, I was wrestling with God, like, dude, again? Again. But man, I'm here today. Devil's not going to stop me from preaching his word. No way, because God is too good. God is too great, you guys, but we are persecuted for doing what is right. And you're not alone. I just want to be real here today. Yep, exactly. Satan didn't want me to be here. We care too much so often more than not about what the non-believers think about us. And even believers for that in that sake. In fact, we want to fit in so badly with others. Oftentimes we leave God in the dust. Let's read 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That sounds easy, but let's continue. But do this with gentleness and respect. I don't like that part of the passage sometimes, huh? I'm the only one. Right? I'm the only one. <laughs> But what Peter is telling us here is before we start our day, make sure that we examine our hearts. And when we do so, it should be a pure heart and a holy heart. So before we start going outside, before we start talking even to our spouses in the day, make sure our heart is aligned with God and it's on the right spot. This is why, write down your notes why. We must all be right inwardly before we take our faith outwardly. That's pivotal, right? Only God knows your heart this morning. Only God knows my heart this morning. Did you come here righteously with God so you could take your faith outwardly to others? So it could spread. So revival could take place. Man, I talk about it so often because wouldn't it be such a beautiful, amazing, elegant thing to see revival take place here in Impact Christian Church? Wouldn't it be amazing to see take place at the high desert? To see so many people get saved Man, I love seeing even one person get saved. It's worth everything we go through. You understand, Daniel knew about persecution and being inwardly, right inwardly, before he took it outwardly in Daniel 1. He stood before Nebuchadnezzar in great boldness in Daniel 1 because in his heart he would not defile himself and he would always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asked him for the reason, the hope that he had with meekness and fear. And we also should be ready to give a defense if we have made ourselves ready in knowing the Bible. Peter knew how important it was to give a defense to everyone who asked him. Peter had to do this in several situations. Acts 2, 
as well as 3, 4, and a few verses in verse 5 as well, first chapters. In each one of these accounts, Peter was tested, but he relied on his faith in God and the power of the Holy Spirit, and he was able to give a defense. Like us, guys, we must be ready, willing, and able to give a defense or answer for our hope for why we believe in what we believe in. The reason why Christians probably would be asked to give a defense of their faith is because us Christians' behavior and example, it should stand out different, as I mentioned earlier. And because a lot of times, let's be honest, our friends, family, non-believers, they want to catch us off guard. But when we live God's way of our life, our example will shine like a light in this dark world, Matthew 5, 16 tells us. So the next time when friends or family members, co-workers slander us, this is going to be very tough for us, but it's the right thing to do in your notes. We must do what is right regardless of the outcome and regardless of what others believe. This I found interesting, the word answer, when it says Christians must be ready to give a defense or answer. In Greek, the word is apologia. Apologia. We get our word apology also from it. We also get the word apologetic. So it's apologia, apology, and apologetics, all from the same word. And no, Peter's not saying to say sorry if I offended you for being a Christian. In fact, he's saying the opposite. It means to have a defense and be ready or offer explanations or give good reasons for what we believe and why we believe. These three words are what lawyers used to do for clients, giving a formal proclamation in defense of one of their clients. It means to stand in a courtroom and to give good, compelling evidence on behalf of your clients. We are to do the same thing with Jesus. We can't just believe in him because our parents made us go to church. We can't just believe that he is good without evidence of why he is good. Much like us Christians, we're in a living courtroom. Everyone is watching us, guys. Watching to see if we're going to fail. Waiting for us to fail. Be completely honest. So are we going to continue to believe in Jesus? Are we continue to reject him? Because non-believers, they do something very good. Don't they have great questions? Oh man, they have very good questions for us believers. You know what? You believe, but my question for you this morning is why do you believe in what you believe, church? Why do you believe in what you believe? The most difficult part for me of this passage is when it says with gentleness and respect. If I'm going to be honest with you, how many times do we win an argument just to say we won? Not to win that person to Jesus. But what Peter is telling us, that's completely wrong. He's telling us direct their path towards Jesus Christ. And he's saying this again, fill in the blank. He's saying we must care more about people's salvation than we care about winning an argument. Verse 16 says, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed 
of their slander. What I've learned as I was preparing today to speak is that a clear conscience will help you face this hostile world that we live in. As you are faced with criticism and hate by others, your conscience is clear knowing that you are living for God. Now, you guys have no clue because it's no reason for me to say it, but you have no idea how much hatred, how much PMs, which are private messages, um, I have received about ministry, especially when it comes to the Perseverance Conference. I won't get into details or anything of that. And he used to bug me. He's like, but why? Why do they believe in this? Why are they slandering me? But as I grow stronger and more mature in my walk, I could walk away knowing that my conscience is clear and that I live for God and that persecution is part of living for Christ and we have our own cross to bear. I have a few more points before I end. But as 2023 ends and 2024 arrives tomorrow, that's crazy. Man, I'm getting old. Mm. Mm, That is crazy. I hope that nothing scares you and I away from talking about Jesus living for Jesus, having a burning desire to serve Jesus until he comes back or until we are called home to heaven. Man, last in your notes is Jesus took the nails so we can enter the heavenly gates. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the gospel. In a minute here, there's going to be a song I just love because it's so powerful. It's so real. And I just love worship. Amen. I love worship. It is my therapy. I can listen to it 24-7. Job thirteen fifteen. he's wrestling with Jesus. And he says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. That's not this verse. But after he says that, he says these things. He says, though he slay me, yet I will have hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Those words are so powerful to me. Though Jesus, though slander may come our way, though pain and agony comes our way, we still have hope in Jesus Christ, knowing that he's the anchor of our soul. And you guys, next time, man, I know a lot of you here. And y'all have some powerful voices. Y'all have some strong attitudes. You're some mature Christians. So don't wear the muzzle at home, man. Take it off when, when you're persecuted. When these topics get caught up in in this new coming year, don't be afraid or ashamed of our Lord and Savior. But say it in a meek and loving way. But defend what is right. Defend what is right. Take the muzzle off. You know those silly looking cones that dogs wear after procedures because they don't want to be scratched anymore? Some of us are wearing those cones when it comes to defending our faith. Guys, 2024 is the year where we should take it off and start defending Christ in all circumstances. Are you willing to do so? Am I willing to do that at all costs? At all costs. Ready to share our faith with others. Be excited for Jesus Christ. Have that spark. Have that love. Have that joy. That undeniable joy that Jesus Christ has for us. Know why you believe in Christ and stand strong in our faith. And something that I really learned here today is that we give people so much credit when hardship comes Like, man, how do you still believe in Jesus Christ? How are you still faced with this? But I'm here today to urge you that is because the strength that God gives us to deal with what we're going through. 
And that's what a real Christian is. But because you don't see much of it in this world anymore, we ask that question because not many people are really on fire for Christ. Let's be honest. Not, not many people have that great relationship as we should, guys, including myself. It's like sometimes God fills in the distance, right? It's like, dude, you're not answering my prayers. But really, it may not be the exact prayer request that you have that he's answering or in his moment in time. As you guys know, and was mentioned earlier by Amazing Terry, Pastor Dane has a book that just came out, 40 Days in Proverbs. It's a devotion, and what I like most about it, again, the realness in me, it's 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes of powerful stuff. So, you guys, I challenge us, and so did Dane, to really just dive in. It's a great, great devotion for us to read. And if you can, don't leave yet. I know you're getting irky to leave, and you're like, man, Alan bored me and made me sleep. But listen, there is one song left, and I love this song. And I want you guys to sing along uh, with the words. I know most of you might know it. And if you don't, that's okay. You'll learn it quickly. Um, I'll be off to the side. I want to pray with you. If you have any prayer requests, whatever the case may be, please come up to me. And I'd love to pray with you. And again, thank you guys for having me. It's always an honor and a privilege to share the word of God with you. Let's actually pray. Heavenly Father, will you cleanse us from the inside out, Father God? May we remember what 2024 is about, Lord. It's about drawing closer to you. May people know that we're followers of Christ by our attitudes, that we don't even have to say a word, Lord. But then once we talk, we're even more on fire for you, Father God. May you bless us. May we really have discernment this year and know that it's your voice speaking to us. And may we act upon what you're telling us to do. May people come front asking for prayer, needing prayer that will be there for them no matter what it is that we are here. And as Terry says every week, because it's so powerful and true, we are facing a spiritual warfare, Lord. I see it even with myself with sermons and ministry. Trust me, it is a real thing. So we want to go to war with you because our God is so much greater than the devil, Lord. He has no power and you have all the power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.